0: Amen. Well, please take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. And most of your Bibles, you'll probably find that on page 1, okay? That should be an easy one to find this morning. Genesis, chapter 1. Today we're beginning a new message series called, Lord, Make My Life Count. And you know, we all want our lives to count for something, don't we? None of us wants to get to the end of our lives and say, well, what was that all about, right? We all... We're all given so many hours in the day. We're only given so many days on the calendar. And we want our actions to mean something. The search for significance is universal. We all want to have an impact. We want to make a difference. And so in this series, we are going to look at a number of areas of life. And then we're going to see what does the Bible tell us about how you can make each of those areas count. The Bible is God's instruction book for life and living. In its pages, you find invaluable wisdom that will guide you and protect you as you wind your way through this thing called life. And so the various topics we're going to be looking at in this series, uh, uh, you can see them on the slide up here. We're going to be talking about your work, making your work count, your rest, Your faith, your prayers, your money, and your time. These are all real important areas, aren't they? Wouldn't it be wonderful to take each of these areas of your life and to make them count, not only here on earth, but for all of eternity. So today we begin with the topic of work. How do you make your work count? We'll be looking at a variety of scriptures on this, but we're going to begin here in the book of Genesis, chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 27 and 28. Then I'm going to jump ahead to chapter 2. We'll also read verse 15. So we're in Genesis 1, beginning at verse 27. Please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Jumping ahead to verse 15 of chapter 2, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Well, dear God, as we look at this very important area of our lives this morning, our work, uh, God, I pray that you would take your word, the scriptures that we've just read, the other scriptures we'll be looking at, speak to us through your word, speak to us by your spirit. Help us in this area, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Let's let's start with something fun this morning. how many of you have ever fallen asleep at work? How many of you have ever fallen asleep at work? I'm seeing the hands. I used to be a night watchman, okay? I have fallen asleep at work, okay? Here's a list I found. Here are the five best things to say if you ever get caught sleeping at work, okay? So we're going to do a top five list, count our way down. So number five is this. You know, they told me at the blood bank that this might happen, Okay, that's number five. Number four, you know, this is just a 15-minute just a power nap, like, like they told me to do at that, that cor- course that you sent me to. Number three, whew, I guess I left the top off of that whiteout. Man, you got here just in time. Number two, did you ever notice that the sound that these keyboards make if you, you get, get real close to them? And then the number one best thing to say if you're caught sleeping at your desk at work, raise your head slowly and say, Amen. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) And hopefully that's what you were doing anyways, right? So You know, work is a huge part of each of our lives. And whether you're out in the workforce or you're a student at home, or you're retired, or you're a mother at home, or you volunteer, you're paid, whatever your situation, you spend a significant amount of your time working. According to this chart from the U.S. Department of Labor, on an average workday, the typical employed person spends two and a half hours on leisure and sports, that's cool, one hour in household activities, one hour eating and drinking, 1.2 hours caring for others, 1.6 hours on other activities, 7.7 hours sleeping, but by far the biggest slice of the pie chart goes to work at 8.9 hours per day. So you're going to spend a lot of your time, a lot of time in your life working, right? And so today I want us to look at three principles Three principles from God's Word that will help you in your work and help you make your work count. Now, there's an outline in your worship guide this morning. I encourage you to take that out. It'll help you to follow along in the message. There's a room there to jot down some notes as we go along as well. Our first principle we want to look at this morning has to do with vocation. Okay, not vacation. Okay, that's a different topic, but vocation. Well, which simply means to view your work as God's calling. This might be something you've never thought about before. View your work as God's calling. You now, the Bible tells us that from the very beginning, God created you to work. We just read that in Genesis chapter 1, right? First chapter of the first book of the Bible. We read this God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female he created them, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Now theologians call this the creation mandate, simply means that God created us in his own image And then he commanded us to fill the earth and subdue it. What does that mean? That means that we are to work. We are to work this planet. We are to care for God's creation. We are to discover the potential that God has built into the earth. We are called to make families, communities, and culture as we fill the earth and subdue it through the God-honored means of work. Now, some people mistakenly think that that work is something that came after the fall, right? After Adam and Eve sinned, after sin entered the world. They say, no, work is a curse. Work is something bad, right? But that's not the truth at all. God originally intended us to work. God didn't put us in the Garden of Eden just to sit there and, and pick fruit off of trees and just hang out and relax all day long, okay? That's not it at all. We read in Genesis 2 this, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? To work. To work it and take care of it. Folks, this is Genesis 2. This is before the fall. This is before sin entered the world. This is before, uh, even before the creation of Eve. And so God created you to work. And so you should view your work as God's calling. When you work, you are fulfilling part of God's calling on your life. Now, another part of viewing your work as God's calling is understanding that all work is ministry. All work is ministry. Colossians 3 says this, Whatever you do, that's pretty broad, isn't it, right? Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, we tend to, when we hear that word ministry, right, we tend to think of ministry as the work that we do either in or for the church, right? We think that's something we do in the church. That's not the work we do out in the world. That's not ministry, is it? And, and, and we divide life into the sacred and the secular, But you know what? God doesn't do that. God views it all as one. Ministry simply means serving the Lord. That's what the word minister means, to serve. Serving the Lord. Yes, you can do that at church, but you know what? You can also do it at your place of work. So yeah, you might be a minister of the gospel, but you can also be a minister of accounting. Or a minister of daycare, or a minister of plumbing. Martin Luther wrote this. He wrote that he said, The idea that service to God should have only to do with a church altar, singing, reading, sacrifice, and the like is without doubt but the worst trick of the devil. How could the devil have led us more effectively astray than by the narrow conception that the service of God takes place only in the church? The whole world could abound with services to the Lord, not only in churches, but also in the home, the kitchen, the workshop, and the field. I like what Dorothy Sayers wrote, All work done well and for God's glory is Christian work. Now here in our church, we like to say that our church has several pastors but many ministers. If you've ever been to one of our church membership classes, you've heard that. We've got several pastors, but many ministers. Why? Because you are all ministers as you serve the Lord both here in the church and in the place where God has called you to work. A number of years ago, uh, I pulled a list of all of the different occupations of our church members from the church database it was very revealing you know we we often list the ministries we have here at the church you can find those on the website but this morning i want to list the ministries we have in the workplace okay you ready for this i'm gonna have to say it fast because there's a lot of them there's a lot of jobs here listen for yours i hope i get it in i don't know if if, if it was in the database or not or listen for friends that you have here as well but listen to what our church is doing To serve God in the world. The members of Plantation Community Church represent the following ministries of work. Here we go. Accountant, account manager, accounts receivable, actress, administration, after-school director, architect, artist, attorney, audiovisual, auto body, avionic tech. That's just letter A. Bank teller, banker, bookkeeper, business owner, businessman, buyer, CPA, car wholesaler, caregiver, chaplain, chef, Children's Ministry, Clerk, Computers, Construction, Contractor, Correspondence, Courier, Crime Analyst, Data Entry, Dental Hygienist, Director, Doctor, Educational Consultant, Electrician, Electronic Tech, Elevator Mechanic, EMT, Engineer, Field Wetland Ecologist, Financial Advisor, Finance Manager, Floral Designer, Foster Care, General Clerk, Graphic Arts, Home Business, Homemaker, Home Renovator, Home School, house cleaner, insurance, interior design, inventory, journalist, judicial assistant, junkyard owner, landscaper, librarian, limo service, logistics analyst, mail handler, manager, mason, mechanic, mechanical designer, medical tech, merchandiser, missionary, mother, music director. We're halfway through. That's letter M. Nurse, office manager, painter, Paralegal, pastor, pilot, photographer, policeman, preschool director, president, printer, procurement, production designer, professor, programmer, project analyst, project manager, quality assurance, regional rep, retired, sales, secret service, look out, secretary, security supervisor, self-employed, service coordinator, service technician, social worker, software, sound tech, staffing, statistical analyst, Student, supervisor, teacher, teacher's aide, tech consultant, tech librarian, trainer, training analyst, travel agent, treasurer, tree service, unit assistant, utilities, vice president, water ski school, water treatment plant, worship leader, and youth ministry. Congratulations, you guys do a lot, right? Now you know why you're so tired at the end of every day. Look at all we're doing, right? That is outstanding. You are serving God in so many ways in this world, and that is awesome. And so that's the first principle you need to lay hold of in making your work count. Do not think of your job as just a job. View your work as God's calling. It is a vocation. God created you to work. All work is ministry. That's principle number one. Principle number two, also very important. The second principle you need to know if you're going to make your work count is the principle of service. Service. And as we talk about service this morning, I especially want you to know who your real boss is, okay? Who's your real boss? Who's the boss? You know, the Bible says that you are to work as serving the Lord. And you know, we read from Ephesians 6 earlier in the service. I want to go back to those verses. Now, these words were originally addressed to slaves and their masters, but they are equally applicable to workers and bosses today. Hear this out now. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. Now, I don't know what you do for work. You may have a great boss. You may have a terrible boss. But either way, make sure you know who your real boss is. You are serving the Lord. And this one principle, all of the principles we're looking at this morning are so important, but this one principle, this will revolutionize your attitude at work. Because when you realize that you are serving God, you're serving God and not just another human being who happens to be over you, you will work very differently. You will begin to see your work as ministry. Why? Because you are serving the Lord. Ann Voskamp writes about this realization in the context of doing the hard work of mothering at home. I love what she writes here. She writes, all work is sacred work, worthy of the diligence, the effort. I pick up lost Legos, dry the pots, wish the toilets, and this serves God. For if I cannot meet God in my work, where do I meet him? If I don't serve him here, where do I serve him? Are we not called to serve God in the work? not merely in some imagined mirage place outside of work. In a model of Christian work, we live one-piece lives, all weaving together into a sacred cloth as unto the Lord with no false seams between God and our days. And in our work, sacred work, because there is no such thing as secular work, we first serve God. So I'll put away the laundry, sweep the crumbs, polish the windows, not to serve my family primarily, but to serve God. And Once again, whether you are a mother or a contractor or a volunteer or a student, whatever you're calling, when you work as serving the Lord, your work takes on a whole new significant. So know who your real boss is. Work as serving the Lord. And then because God is your real boss, you work not only to serve him, but you must also work to serve others. Ephesians 4.28 says this, he who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Doing something useful, With his own hands that he may may have something to share with those in need. And this verse teaches us that your work serves other people in two specific ways. First of all, Paul says you're to do something useful. Do something useful. Now, all work that is honest, moral, and lawful, that would all fall under this category of useful. When you work, you are either providing services or products that other people need, or you are providing basic necessities for yourself. That's useful. So whatever work you find yourself in, first of all, praise God. Praise God that you have the opportunity to serve others by being useful. Now, at the same time, you may want to look at the work you're in. You may want to evaluate the work you're doing or in your job, and you might want to ask the Lord, God, am I using the gifts you've given me to the fullest? Could I serve others or perhaps serve my family better in a different place? And as you talk to God about that, the Lord may lead you to take some steps of faith. He may lead you to get additional education or training. But either way, understand that you are to serve others first of all by doing something useful. With your work. And then the second way this verse teaches us that we serve others through our work is by sharing with those in need. You work first of all so that you will not be dependent on others. But then God wants you to take that additional step, right? Where you where you order your finances in such a way that you can be generous and also help those in need. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart, but then also to love your neighbor as yourself. These two commands come together when you view your work properly as service to God and to other people. Know who your real boss is. Work is serving the Lord. Work to serve others. How do you make your work count? We've looked at the principle of vocation. View your work as God's calling. We've looked at the principle of service. Know who your real boss is. Finally, our third principle is the principle of witness. Witness. How you work matters. It matters so much. Three things here. First of all, the Bible tells you to work hard. Work hard. Proverbs 14 23 says, All hard work brings a profit. Ecclesiastes 9 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Basically, God's saying this when you work, okay, you know, when you rest, rest, but when you work, work hard. And part of your witness at work is to do a good job, take initiative, be responsible. Follow through. Go the extra mile. Do those things that no one else will do. Work hard at your job and earn a reputation for excellence. You will feel better about your work when you do this. You will be a good witness to others, and you will be surprised at how God blesses you when you work hard at the tasks that are set before you. All hard work brings a profit but it also enhances your witness for Christ. Secondly, work with integrity. Integrity. We looked at Colossians chapter 3 earlier when we were talking about work as as ministry or service to the Lord. I want us to go back and look at those verses again, this time in the context of working with integrity. Paul writes this, Colossians 3, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And here's the part do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now, it's one thing to work hard, Right When your boss is right there and has his or her eye upon you, they're watching. Oh boy, we're working hard then, aren't we? But what about when no one's watching? No one's looking. You see, that's where integrity comes in. You need to be honest in your work. Be above board with your boss, with your clients, and in all your transactions. Integrity means you are the same person in private as you are in public. If you wouldn't steal when people are looking, then you will not steal when you are all alone. If you would not waste time while the boss is standing there, then you will not waste time when he or she is not there. Integrity means that you are a whole person. You're not one person in one situation and a different person in in another. And if you are a whole person, then you will work with a whole person heart. You will work with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Why? Because it's the Lord Jesus you are serving. Working with integrity, that's another part of your Christian witness. Work hard, work with integrity, and finally, number three, work to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10 31 says this, so whether you eat or drink or, once again, whatever you do, Broad statement, isn't it? Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. God created you to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. Now, one of the ways you glorify Him is is here at church when we come together and, and we worship Him as part of the body of Christ. That's wonderful. But you are also called to glorify God in your work. And how do you do that? Work hard. Work with integrity. Do a good job. Gain a a good reputation. But do not do it for your glory. Do it for God's glory. And when your boss or co-worker or client compliments you on your work, thank them. That's only courteous. Thank them. But then go that extra step and give God the glory. It's so simple. You can just say something like this, thank you, thank you, that means so much to me. Thank you, but you know, I really need to thank God because he's the one who helps me and I give him all the praise. You know, the musical composer, Johann Sebastian Bach, so many beautiful pieces. Did you know that he signed every one of his musical compositions, every one of his works, and it was all completed and all the notes were in place. He would sign it to the glory of God alone. Isn't that beautiful? See, we need to find creative ways to make that our signature on all the works we do. And finally, in the midst of all this, don't be afraid to share Jesus Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So let people know that you're a Christian. Let them know that your faith in Jesus affects your whole life, including your work. Look for appropriate opportunities to share Christ with your boss, your coworkers, your clients. Or if you're in school, your fellow students. Do you want your work to matter? Do you want to make a difference? Do you want to leave a mark? Then understand these three vital principles from Scripture. Vocation. View your work as God's calling. Service. Know who your real boss is. Witness. How you work matters. Amen? let us pray dear God we thank you that you are the God of all life Lord we don't come here on Sundays and then uh, walk out of here and then just live our own lives the rest of the week and then come back and and, uh, and, and, and reintroduce ourselves no Lord you are God of all life of work and as we're going to see in the coming weeks of work, of rest, of faith of prayers, of, of money, of time of all of these different areas of our lives Lord, we want our lives to count for you. Lord, as we've looked at work today, I pray if we've been convicted in any area of our lives, that as we make commitments to you this morning, even now in prayer, saying, God, I want to change in this area. I want to do better in this area, that you would help us to do that. God, left on our own, we always fail. We need your help. We need Christ's forgiveness for our failures. And Holy Spirit, we need your help uh, to grow in godliness and to do the things you've called us to do. So help us, dear Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.